All right. Hallelujah. 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 We praise your name, Jesus. I won't turn back. Uh, you know, I just want to um, take a real quick second, and I just want to um, say that I, how, I'm, I'm, I am personally, you're not my son, but I am personally proud of this young man right here doing a great job filling in as Sister Hood is, is out. And we got my, my son, my other son, back on the drums. And, but, Brenson, you did an outstanding job on the drums. I mean, he seemed to get better and better every week. And uh, I just wanted to say that publicly because I, I mean that. And that's, that's important. You're, you're, you're using yourself. You're using your talents for the kingdom. And that's awesome. Well, we're going we're gonna to bring uh, Reverend Keeflay up here today, right now, without any further ado. Uh, let's, let's clap our hands and, and, and greet him as he comes. And then one more time, if you could clap your hands to Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. Amen. In spite of everything the devil tried, hallelujah, God is still on the throne. Amen. He's still in control. He still has a plan. Hallelujah. Anybody thankful? Amen. For the goodness of Jesus. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, amen, hallelujah, thankful for the goodness of God. Amen. What an incredible spirit, amen, of worship and praise and just exuberance that we feel here this, uh, this afternoon. Amen. It's uh, certainly... Uh, good to be back here, and um, it's always a privilege and a pleasure to be in Carson City at Apostolic Revival Center with the good people of God here. Amen. That's you guys. Can you say amen? <laughs> and um, I want to say publicly in the absence of your pastor, uh, thank you, Brother uh, Hood, Pastor Hood. I know he's maybe watching this for the hospitality and the, the massive basket. Um, I think he's trying to put some weight on me or something amen I don't know why he would think to do that but yeah and um, they've been very kind and they've been very hospitable even in their absence and making me feel at home also thank you brother uh, Diaz whoever he is back there amen for being very um, accommodating as well and I want to say that I um, uh, my wife she's not here um, my baby she's not here if, if she was she'd be screaming um, she's about five months old, and she's just discovered her vocal cords, or at least the upper range of her vocal cords, and I uh, love them very much. Amen. Without any further delay, let's hop into the word of the Lord. Jeremiah chapter number 23, verses 25. Jeremiah 23, verses 25. Amen. Anybody excited about what God is going to do? Amen. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 23 verses 25 in Jesus name it says I have heard what the prophet said that prophesy lies in my name saying I have dreamed I have dreamed and how long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies yea they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams which they tell every man to his neighbor as their fathers have forgotten my name for Baal. The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? 
Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? Amen. For the next few moments, I would like to preach on the subject, amen, dreams over, uh, hammers over dreams, hammers over dreams. Let's put our Bibles down, and as we do so, let's lift our hands to heaven and ask the Lord to help us. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. We know it's anointed. We know that it is sharper than any other two-edged sword. I ask that you would touch my mind as I think your thoughts and uh, loose my lips as I speak your words and touch the ears of the hearers uh, that they may receive with meekness the engrafted word of God. In Jesus' name. Let's clap our hands one more time to Jesus. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Just outside of the town of Talcott, West Virginia, there is a statue that was um, built to commemorate and honor a man by the name of John Henry. John Henry is an American legend, and um, his story, though somewhat exaggerated, um, is based on a very true event. John Henry was a former slave who worked the railroads, driving spikes and laying tracks. And John Henry was rumored to have been a very large and um, particularly strong person, but most likely he was a very average man, average height, average build, and average strength. But he took great pride in his work and in his ability, in particular, to swing a hammer. The trouble came one day when the railroad tracks that they were laying ran straight up into a mountain, and the only way was through. John Henry, with just his hammer, began hammering steel spikes into the side of the mountain where holes were made for dynamite to be placed into those holes. Then they would detonate the dynamite, and it would blast a piece of the mountain away, and they would repeat this process, ultimately, uh, with the goal of getting through the mountain. However, one day a group of investors showed up with, back then, what most people would consider to be only a dream. This dream was in the form of a steam-powered rock drilling machine. This technological advancement was touted as being able to do the work of several men, and many men on the job site risked losing their jobs and their livelihoods. John Henry, however, believed in the power of the hammer so much so that he challenged the operator of the steam drill to a race, promising that if he lost, he and his crew would drop their tools and would go home. But also, if he won, that the investors and the steam drill operators would pack up their machine and they would have to go home. The men would keep their jobs if he won the race. And so a lot was on the line that day, and the sound of steel ringing could be heard as John Henry swung his hammer and the machine beside him would shake and shudder as it bored through the rock. And it was the man with his hammer versus this dream-like invention. It was the tried and the true versus the new and the unfamiliar. And man, people said sparks flew and he, uh, he, he began to sweat profusely and I sweat dropped from his brow, he swung over and over and over again. 
and much to the surprise of those who were invested in the success of the steam drill, the steam drill came to an abrupt halt in an unexpected malfunction. It had failed utterly and completely. And that day, the power of one man with a hammer was forever settled in the eyes of every spectator. Years later, the locals erected that statue, and there was even a song and a ballad that was written to commemorate what he had done for that town and for that community. And man, it would forever immortalize the power of one man with a simple tool. And the refrain of the song simply said, a man ain't nothing but a, but a man, but I will die with this hammer in my hand. I want to preach to you today about a hammer that will never go out of style. Never be outdated or outmatched. A hammer that the average man or woman can swing. This hammer can break the hardened heart. It can break the bonds of alcoholism, the chains of addiction. It can break the grip of sin. It can change a man or a woman, a young boy or girl, a family, a neighborhood or a community, even a country, even the entire world. I want to preach to you today about a hammer that can destroy strongholds, principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places, and a hammer that can change destinies with every swing, and that can change unchangeable minds with every blow. This hammer is the Word of God. Amen. I want to preach to you today, amen, about the power of the Word of God in your life. Amen. The Bible describes the Word of God in many ways. In one place, it's described as a sword. Another place, it's described as milk. Another place, it's described as meat. Uh, uh, David described it as a lamp, amen, and a light. In one place, James described it as a mirror. In another place, the prophet described it as fire, as honey, as dew, as a seed, as snow. Many things in the Bible amen, to give us an idea of how the Word of God works in our life. Amen. According to the Bible, the Word of the Lord endures forever. It is quick and it is powerful. It is sharper than any other two-edged sword. It is perfect. It is true. It is upright. It is tried. It is pure. And it is forever settled in heaven. Amen. But our passage presents us with a dilemma. False prophets had gone out into the land, and they had began to, instead of preaching the word of God, they had began to prophesy their own personal dreams. I don't know about you, but, I, but when I need preaching, I want the word of God. Amen. I don't want the ideas of man. I don't want somebody's great idea. I want the word of God in my life. Amen. Dreams are not always a bad thing. Amen. But, but the Bible gives us an example at times where dreams were very good. Jacob dreamed a dream. Joseph dreamed a dream. And dreams are good, but only when they align perfectly with the express word of God. This is why the Bible does not exalt dreams above the word of God. In fact, nothing is exalted above the word of God. Not even the name. Amen. The word of God says that the word is exalted above the name. Amen. Saying the name of Jesus is not the most powerful thing there is because some people use it as a curse word. But it's when you use the name of Jesus in alignment with the express word of God as in baptism in the name of Jesus. And so when the name aligns with the express word of God. 
But people began to use, amen, their own dreams as a text for the people. Amen. They believed it was God who was whispering in their ears. But it was their own evil hearts. Amen. I'm, I'm afraid for some people because, amen, I don't see them reading their Bible, but God is always talking to them. I don't know how that works. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. We'll move, move, I'll move on. Praise God. Amen. But as powerful as dreams from God can be, amen, to guide us and to, uh, and to show us a little bit of, of, of what he plans for us, uh, amen, they can be misguided as well. And the Lord challenges the use of dreams uh, in this uh, passage with a question. And he says, is not my word like a hammer? Amen. No amount of the new, no amount of the fantastical will ever overcome amen the tried and true power of the written and express word of God amen I want to preach to you today about the three defining attributes of a hammer one of the first things that hammers do is they provide leverage amen as children one of the first things we learn about on the playground amen we're not told what it's called but we play on the a little seesaw and we learn about leverage and we learn that if you have amen enough weight on one end of an object and you have it extending a certain distance you can move a heavy object praise god and we know that leverage is simply amen the the ability to 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 uh, to take a small amount of force and to have it amplified amen that's why we we use hammers to drive nails and, and not our hands. Praise God. Amen. Not a good idea. But we see by, that by the word of God, the worlds were framed. What do I mean by that? Amen. A little bit of word can do a whole lot in your life. There's leverage. Amen. Another place it says that he sent his word and he healed their diseases. Plural. Amen. Hallelujah. One word can heal a lot of diseases in the room. The Roman centurion was sick, and Jesus even offered to come, and he said, no, just speak the word, and I know it will be done. That's because one word in your life can accomplish anything. When you're sick, you need a word. When you're in pain, you need a word. When you're depressed, you need a word. Because one word can do a whole lot of healing in your life. If I can just get to church on Sunday, I can get what I need. It's possible that the Word of God can do for you in one moment what psychotherapy could not do in one year. It's possible that the Word of God can do for you in one moment what the doctor could not do in six months. Amen. One shall put a thousand to flight and two shall put ten thousand to flight. That's leveraged by a factor of 10 that lets me know that whatever you have, if you bring it to God, He will amplify your efforts. The Bible tells us that the disciples were accused of turning the world upside down. Twelve men. How do twelve men turn the entire world upside down? And then a famous author once said, give me a pole long enough and I will move the world. Let me tell you what that instrument is that twelve men could take and they can move the entire known world. Amen. They did not have man's wisdom. They didn't have enticing words. Amen. They didn't have a business plan. They had the word of God. The second most obvious attribute about hammers is that they are designed to be used repetitiously. I have never seen a disposable hammer, praise God. Amen. I've never seen a plastic hammer. Amen. 
The hammer was designed to be used repeatedly. The word of God was designed for repeated use in your life. And too many people treat the Bible as a one-time use instrument. Amen. They pick it up one time and they, they get discouraged and they put it down. I mean, I've never seen anybody build a house with one, with one strike of a hammer. Just never heard of it. Amen. It's leverage and its power doesn't negate the need for the hammer to be used over and over again. And just as the hammer is not a one-time use instrument, the word of God is not disposable in your life. The apostle Paul wrote that it is by the foolishness of preaching that we are saved. The foolishness of preaching is not simply, he wasn't saying that preaching in and of itself is foolish. But the way that preaching, amen, is repeated over and over again does not make sense to the world. They wonder why we do the same things over and over again and why we go to church over and over again and why we preach the same Acts 2.38 message over and over again. Because I'm telling you, I mean, you've got to have this repeated in your life. It's foolishness to the eyes, amen, of those who are unbelieving, but to us, it's salvation and life. Amen, we must expose ourselves repeatedly to the preaching of the Word of God, repeatedly to the teaching of the Word of God. Amen, I'm believing, uh, and I believe I'm in a church that believes, amen, and be faithful to the house of God. Be faithful to your daily Bible devotion. And then be faithful to your daily prayers. And I don't know about you, but I can't be saved without swinging this hammer as often as I can. The book of Hebrews tells us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Amen. But so much the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. The scripture has never meant more now. Amen. Then, amen. Right now in our world, we're coming to a place where so many things have been shut down and closed. And I'm not sure what the situation is like here in this state. But the only thing you just about that you can do in California now is go to church. Amen. You can't even dine out anymore. Amen. I'm telling you, in the last days, there will come perilous times. And I know, I mean, there's different circumstances and situations, but however you can, I mean, expose yourself to the preaching of the word of God. I mean, now is not the time to give up on the house of God, on the things of God, on the goodness of God. <laughs> Daily prayer and devotion are not optional. If something is good, it's worth repeating. Many of us have tried repeating the same old things that have got us nowhere. The same old bad habits. We've run back to the same old dysfunctional relationships. Amen. We've run back to the same old drugs we said we would quit. Some people have tried Jesus one time and never come back to church. Some people think they tried it and they just came to church and stared at everybody else. No, really try it. Really try Jesus. Put your hands in the air and say, Lord, I've tried everything else. I've tried that over and over. I've tried this over and over. Why don't you try the house of God one more time? Try prayer one more time. Try reading your Bible one more time. Swing the hammer one more time. We've done a lot of bad things, sinful things over and over again, a lot of unproductive things. Uh, what's one more try about for the things of God? Amen. The third and final attribute of the hammer, maybe the most obvious one, is that hammers do not swing themselves. 
Hammers require action from a willing participant. Amen. They can only amplify force. Amen. That is placed upon them. Amen. Hammers require action and interaction. More specifically, God requires, uh, amen, participation on your part. Uh, God will take your feeble efforts, uh, amen, but through his word, he will magnify them. And you will be able to do things that you thought you could never do. Amen. Amen. You see, you see, swinging the hammer is repetitious. It's monotonous and it can be boring. Amen. But it's productive. Amen. And some people, they get bored with living for God, and they, want, they, want, they think that, you know, this is not exciting. Amen. Let me tell you that, amen, if you learn how to exalt the, the, the repeated things in life, everything beautiful that God has created, amen, is done, amen, repeatedly, amen. And one, one Christian author once said that it's, 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 it's the Lord who every morning he says to the sun, amen, do it again. And he says to the flowers, do it again. Amen. God himself exalts in the monotony, amen. If it wasn't for monotony, tomorrow the sun would not rise. If it wasn't for repetition and monotony, your heart would stop beating right now. Amen. The most powerful and beautiful things are the things that happen over and over and over again. But sometimes our carnality gets the best of us and says, I'm tired of, of going to church and I'm, I'm tired of living the way I live. Let me tell you something right now. If you will learn to do the mundane, God will do the miraculous. Sometimes we want to see the miraculous, but God requires that we do something. Amen. Maybe simple, though small, if we would participate willingly, God would do the miraculous. Amen. The Bible tells us that Peter was locked up in jail, and the people that, uh, that were uh, praying for him, amen, began to travail. And all of a sudden, amen, Peter experienced one of the most miraculous things. Every gate that was holding him prisoner began to swing wide open. Every door that he encountered, amen, literally burst and then the chains fell off of his feet and he walked right up to the door of the house where they were praying for him and this is one of the most interesting stories is the angel opens every single door and finally he gets to the door the last door and it doesn't open he has to knock on it if you would do the simple things God would do the miraculous Some of you are thinking, man, my family members think I'm crazy. This is all they see me do. You just keep on doing the simple things, and one day they'll see miracles. One day they'll say, oh, my goodness. All the little mundane things, the repetitious things, and then the early mornings in church, the late nights in prayer, and then the outreach Sunday, and then the simple, the knocking, will one day turn to the miraculous. If you keep on swinging, if you keep on swinging, the prophet Elijah, prophet went to a village, the prophet Elijah went to a village and they had one axe in the village and they didn't have a Home Depot, unfortunately, and they were swinging the axe and the axe had flew off into the river. That was a big problem. And so the prophet, he took a stick, took a little branch now, we know that an axe head is going to sink, and a, a, a stick is not enough to displace the weight and the density of that axe head. It's, it's, we know that. But the Bible says that he took that, that branch and he threw it into the water. And as they looked, the axe head floated and it came up. 
you might think, you know, I, there's nothing I can do to change my situation. You're, you're, you're measuring and you're weighing. It's just you're, you're approaching it from an analytical, human perspe- perspective. But if you would just get a holy, bold anointing and just grab whatever you got and to say, if I do anything, whatever I have, if I just give it to the Lord, God will amplify my efforts. Whatever you have today at your disposal, if you would bring it to the house of God, and then however much energy you have left, maybe some of you are thinking, I wish I was saved when I was younger. I could have given my best years to the Lord. Amen. Maybe the last few years that you have, if you give them to God with everything you have, God will amplify them beyond anything you ever dreamed. And some of you are thinking, God, my health has really taken a turn for the worse. You give God everything you got. You give God every last drop of energy and love Him with all of your strength. And God will amplify your efforts. You, some of you are thinking, God, I wish I was able to start that business and I could have really blessed the kingdom of God and I could have been more. Let me tell you, whatever you have. Amen. If you could just say, Lord, I am yours. Amen. I give you myself. Amen. In the Sinai wilderness, there was never, there has never been any civilization. I mean, there's never been any cities to speak of. In the Sinai wilderness, there was never any, amen, ruins uh, to speak of. But somewhere in the Sinai wilderness, it has baffled scientists for years. They found, amen, an alphabet seemingly out of nowhere. And the only thing of importance that has ever happened in the Sinai wilderness was the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Sinai by God himself and then nothing of significance ever came out of the Sinai wilderness but there was a group of people amen who came out of slavery out of illiteracy and the moment they went up to God's mountain amen he requested and required that they become a literate people amen let me tell you something right now amen that there may be a barrenness you feel in your life and maybe in the land but somewhere in there amen God amen found a group of people that he gave his most precious gift to and that was his written word and a group of people with no land and no home no future and not really a past to speak of and then by the giving of the law on one tablet of stone they became a force to contend with on the world and because of that all of the families of the world were blessed because a group of people amen who had nothing learned that if we have the word of god anything is possible anything is possible amen Scientists have tried to explain why a ragtag group of nomadic people could survive wars, famines, slavery, exile into Babylon, Assyria, and somehow still come out intact. The only explanation that scientists have found is that they believed in a God who was personal. Because in that day, all of the gods were regional. That's why there were no religious wars. Because if you move to my neighborhood, you worship my God. And if I move to your neighborhood, I worship your God. And nobody loved a God enough, amen, amen to be devoted to him. And there, were, and there were gods of different places and different regions. But then there all of a sudden came a God, amen, who called Abraham out of one place. And when he arrived in the other place, he was still his God. And so the God was no longer regional, but he was now personal. 
He's my God over here, and he's my God over here. He's my God here, and he's my God when I move. He's my, he's my God at home, and he's my God at work. I don't serve one God at church and another God at work. He's not a regional God. He's a personal God. And now all of a sudden, you've gone from a regional God to a personal God. Amen. And back then, the gods of the pagans, they were not moral. In fact, that's why people in ancient times were so immoral. Amen. They never made it past child sacrifice. That's because, they're, that's because their gods were sacrificing their own children. But now you had a God who was not just regional. But now he's personal. And on top of that, he's moral. Anybody glad that God is good? We preach that God is good to us, but aren't you glad that God himself is a good God? That he manifests himself in flesh and without sin? I'm glad I serve a God who is a good God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm glad I serve a heavenly Father who is perfect. That's why I have a standard to strive for. Be ye perfect, because your heavenly Father is perfect. So now you have a God who's not regional. He's personal. Amen. He's not immoral. He is moral. And now you have a God that you can serve everywhere you go. And on top of that, amen, most people don't even know where books came from. The only group of people who thought anything was important enough to write in a book and put covers on it were God's people. Books were literally invented by Christians. Because nobody cared about any idea or any message enough to make it, to make it personal. When you realize that you have a hammer, that you have a tool at your disposal, you can take away everything I have in this life. And as long as I have my Bible, I can get through anything. You can make it. You can make it. You can make it. You and Jesus are the majority. You and your relationship with God are the majority. You can make it through every trial, every temptation, every, every persecution, no matter what happens to our country, in our economy, as long as God's people, amen, have the word of God, we can make it through anything. Why don't you clap your hands? Let's stand together this afternoon. Amen. God is looking for someone today who will take up the hammer of the word of God. Amen. Mama, keep on taking your kids to Sunday school. Daddy, keep on praying with your kids. Amen. Families, keep on being dedicated and consecrated to the house of God and the things of God. Amen. Keep on swinging that hammer. When you're discouraged, keep on swinging. When you're happy, keep on swinging. Keep on building. You'll make it through the other side. A man ain't nothing but a man, musicians, would you come? But I'll die with this hammer in my hand. I'm forever committed, consecrated, amen, continuing in the word of God. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. If we could just get made up in our mind, I will never give up on the house of God. I will never give up on the things of God. Some of you are thinking, man, I, I, you're having trouble praying through to the Holy Ghost. Swing one more time. 
One more time. Some of you are thinking that every time I pick up my Bible, it feels heavy. Just keep on, keep on, keep on. I'm going to open up these altars. uh, If you want to reconsecrate your life to the things of God and say, Lord, here I am one more time. I'm committed to the things of God, the house of God, the will of God, the word of God, the people of God. Amen. Let's come to the altar this afternoon. Let's begin to pray and say, Lord, Jesus, I will never give up on your word. I will never give up on your word, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, you are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. You may have slipped up on your devotion, but pick it back up in Jesus' name. You may have slipped up on your prayer life, but pick it back up in Jesus' name. You may have slipped up on your church attendance, but pick it back up in Jesus' name. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we're breaking through with the hammer. Break through with the hammer of the Word of God. Break through to a place of tongues. Talking tongues, break through. Break through. Swing that hammer. I will not be defeated. I will not. The devil will not destroy. Amen. His plan for my life, I will break through in Jesus' name by the power of the hammer of the Word of God.